Good morning, listeners. This is Susan Yu, a forum where we explore issues and meet people in order to help you make a difference here in our community. I'm your first Wednesday of the month host, Dan Jurdy, a county supervisor, and uh, Ukiah City Council member Mari Roden is your host of Susan Yu on the third Wednesdays. Today, we talk with two community members helping us make our county, our neighborhoods, and our homes safe from wildfire, Scott Craddy and Nancy Armstrong Frost. Following devastating local wildfires in 2017, Mendocino County's Fire Safe Council, a nonprofit established back in 2004, received renewed community interest and was given assistance and stewardship from the Mendocino County Resource Conservation District. Funding to help reboot the Fire Safe Council came from the Community Foundation of Mendocino County and the County of Mendocino. In January of 2020, Scott Craddy, a Ukiah businessman known for supporting local food production and Mendocino's farmers markets, was hired as executive director. In fiscal year 2020-21, the Fire Safe Council secured nearly a half a million dollars in grants and delivered new community services. Later, in August 2021, the Mendocino County Board of Supervisors awarded a one-time grant of $1.4 million to the Fire Safe Council. And Assemblymember Jim Wood named the Fire Safe Council Nonprofit of the Year within the 2nd Assembly District. Our second guest is Nancy Armstrong Frost, a concerned citizen and advocate. Nancy is president of the board of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council. Nancy is also a volunteer for the Yorkville Community Benefits Association, which supports the firehouse in Yorkville. By day, Nancy is a rancher, vineyard owner, and olive oil producer. First, uh, why are each of you dedicating this part of your life to helping our community um, through the Fire Safe Council? Scott? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, so I get really excited about seeing things happen locally um, and sort of seeing things that empower the community and particularly things that bring us together kind of across uh, across usual lines of division to make things happen so you know in local food um that was that was one of the big attractions there it was uh one of the few things that nobody nobody argued about um, pretty much everybody could see the value of local farms everybody needs to eat so everybody saw the value of local food fire um as dis- incredibly destructive as it can be also has the potential to be an amazing community unifier uh we've created this situation that's um incredibly hazardous we've moved into an area that is wildfire prone that's that's intended to burn uh, that needs to burn in some cases to be healthy we've tried suppressing fire for a couple of decades um, and we've come to realize that that strategy just doesn't work Um, so we are now at the place where we're realizing that there's a huge problem that we as a community face um, and that also um you know, we can't do it. We can't do it in our silos. Um, fire does not respect property lines, and it doesn't care what your political beliefs are. Uh, it doesn't care what you believe at all. Um, it does care. You know, one one of the things that puts your home at most risk, though, uh, is if your neighbor's property is not prepared for fire. Um, so there are a whole bunch of a whole kind of new approach to this that we need to work on as a community. Uh, it starts with preparing ourselves to be ready and then preparing our properties, but it also involves getting your whole community involved. Well, thank, thank you, Scott. And Nancy, what, what brings you to this topic? Um, I guess it was, um, well, one, it was a, a friend here in Yorkville who um, saw me um, working my place in an, in a way uh, that landowners have done for 
uh, you know, for forever up here that the Native American population did before us, which was burning on our own. And um, I wanted to advocate for that because um, the state had gotten away from that and we needed fire. And I wanted to educate the population that there is really good fire out there and help my neighbors understand what good fire is. Um, and um, I've always been a volunteer in one form or other. And this is a way to make Yorkville, Anderson Valley, Mendocino County safer, is uh, educating the population about good fire and how you work your own land and your own spice to make it safer for all of us. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, so let's look at the big picture. What is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council? Um, so I'll, I'll start, Nancy. The, the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council is a 501c3 nonprofit, um, and it's you know grown and shrank over the years. I think it is certainly at its at its biggest now. Our mission overall is to inform, empower, and mobilize county residents to survive and thrive in a wildfire-prone environment, um, and that involves just an incredible slew of things from uh, managing fuel reduction projects. One of our biggest goals is just to make sure that we advocate to bring as many resources to Mendocino County as possible uh, to deal with these issues. So we do a lot of work trying to bring in grants and resources. Uh, a lot of it involves education. Our website has a tremendously rich section of education for people to, to learn about the issues. Uh, it involves organizing neighborhoods and creating neighborhood groups. It involves uh, bringing resources together. So we have a tool trailer. We have two chippers now. Uh, we are continually adding sort of resources that we can help make available to the county. Uh, and it involves policy work as well. And you know, we keep, as, as time goes by, just sort of bringing more and more pieces to the puzzle. Uh, there's certainly a lot more that uh, we can hopefully get to in the future. But those are kind of the main areas that we're working at at the moment. So, so, Nancy, just looking at some of those videos uh, on, on your website, um, you have uh, people from University of California Extension giving really pretty informative, you know, short videos. They've been uh, probably edited down to three minutes in some cases that really help a, a homeowner know how to create defensible space around their property and, and some good graphics. I, I thought it was pretty easy to digest and, and really on specific topics that are um, anything in particular about those videos that, you know, you would like to highlight. Um, I, I, for me and for the community and for uh, a homeowner out there, they are highly informative. Um, Scott worked really hard to get those um, into a platform that you could digest quickly and that you see a topic, you find one thing that you can do on a Saturday afternoon um, and uh, around your home to make it safer and make your neighborhood safer. Um, and if you take one thing at a time from each video and, and pull it together over the months right now where before fire seasons happens, um, you're going to get yourself into a better position and get your community into a better position. Well, in fact, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on on the show here in, in the beginning of February, because now's the time for people to plan for the next fire yes. season. Oh, definitely. I mean, yes. uh, we're looking at possibly another drought year and, um, and you know, it's going to take several years of normal rainfall to kind of get to for the 
just the natural environment to get back to normal. And and I don't know if that's ever going to happen or not uh, anytime soon. So, you know, there's there's a, a lot of of um, potential for for wildfire in our community and and just with the drought likely to occur again this this year. And now is the time for people to plan both their property and their neighborhood their escape routes and, and we'll go into those those things that they can do um some so scott what are some other things that the um the fire safe council works on well I, we currently have a lot of of projects that we're uh, finishing up or uh, in the midst of we just finished um, what's called the ukiah valley fire fuel reduction program uh, that included 18 miles of shaded fuel breaks and several miles of off-road breaks, kind of extending what CAL FIRE started. Uh, we just closed the window on a FEMA-funded roof replacement grant for people who still had, uh, particularly trying to make sure we got rid of the last wood shingle roofs that are out there in the wildland interface. Because um, as, as we'll talk about later, the roof is your sort of biggest surface and the place that's going to catch the most embers in a fire. So you start there. Um, we are finishing up a Hopland wildfire protection plan. And two things I'll plug in particular that are kind of core programs. Um, we have um, what's uh, a defensible space program for um, for income qualified seniors or persons with handicaps. Uh, that's a program that uh, we got right now. Um, there's a, a we're finishing out a grant from a group called Coalitions and Collaboratives that's funding that. We're going to transition to some funding that the county provided. Um, but we really want to get word out about that. Uh, you know, having defensible space is essential um, for protecting your property. And it's a program for people who can't either can't afford to hire somebody to do it or can't do the work themselves. And we know there's a lot of residents like that out there in the wildland interface. Um, and we can come and provide that service for free. Uh, we just need to get the word out and get people signed up. So one of the things you can do is help your neighbors be aware of that and help them get signed up. So Scott, um, can you can explain? So for example, on your website, you've got a listing, I think of all the um, tree trimming companies in the county. And, and I saw a couple of them are offering discounts to people who are in their fire safe council um, and their local fire safe councils. But um, are you saying that this particular program, they don't even have to go and hire, uh, line up a contractor. Um, the fire safe council will, will dispatch that, uh, that contractor to the property. Yeah, that's correct. Um, it's a, it's a, it's under community programs on our on our website at the top menu, and it's defensible space assistance for income eligible is what it's called, uh, and it's one of the things we're proudest of. We've got a partnership uh, with the Hopland Band of Pomos, uh, Pomo Indians, uh, and they supply the staff and crew. Uh, we've worked with them for our, uh, almost two years now, and um, they are getting really good at what they do. And we can, um, you know, somebody signs up, we can schedule them to come out with equipment and gear and um, get a four-person crew to spend a, a half a day improving your defensible space. Um, so that's one program. And the other one that I want to highlight this kind of a core program is our community chipper program. Um, and that's for people who can do the work themselves. Um, it just makes it a whole lot easier for them. Uh, so you can you sign up for that online or call our office and uh, sort of reserve a day for your neighborhood and get a bunch of people together. And if everybody does their defensible space around the same time and creates chipper piles, we come and chip it and haul it away or broadcast it for you, which whichever you prefer. 
Um, and, um, you know, that program is kind of just a, a huge multiplier. It motivates neighbors to get it done. Um, in our, in our surveys, uh, following it up, we found out that somewhere in the neighborhood, I think it's 80% of the people just wouldn't have done the work without the motivation of the free chipper day to focus them on it. Uh, so it, it's a, it's a program that really leverages a ton of community effort, uh, to, to get a whole bunch done and I'll, so I know an example of that um, the Fort Bragg South um, Fire Safe Council, the, the regional Fire Safe Council for just south of Fort Bragg and the Mitchell Creek Simpson Lane area, um, the, they had the Chipper Day, and it was so successful that the next time they had the Chipper Day, they had so many people signed up. It was two days in a row of, of chipping. So I, that's my take on how this is, this works out: is more and more people see how how easy it is, how how beneficial it is. More neighbors are going to sign up um, this the second time it comes to a neighborhood. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, one of the big things, you know, there's, there's two ways to get a whole lot done. You know, one, you can you can land a grant and have someone hand you a million dollars and hire a crew to come do a whole bunch of stuff with big equipment. That doesn't happen very often. It's not going to happen in every neighborhood. And where it does, it's going to happen once. And then it's on you to maintain it. The other way to get a bunch done is to have a whole bunch of neighbors do a little bit. And you can accomplish just as much as that big grant. Um, and that's the mode we're going to have to get in. We're going to have to get in the mode of, of doing that together to accomplish those big things uh, because it's not always going to get handed to us uh, as, as, a, as a grant that can come in and come in and take care of it for us. So I know that the Fire Safe Council, um, Nancy, has some other programs like they have um, address signs that, that are reflective and helpful for emergency service um, uh, agencies, often the volunteer fire department or the ambulance, uh, to help find a home quickly, so they, d- they don't. You know, it's it's obviously very time sensitive when you're you're responding to someone who may have had a heart incident. Correct, and technically, it's it's the law. Actually, you're supposed to have your um, address marked um, on both sides for first responders to see. But what I was going to say from what Scott was talking in our neighborhood shipper programs, I think that. That's a base step for everyone to get involved in their community, um, meet a neighbor that they haven't talked to before, and then start that process. Maybe form your form your group at that point in time. Talk about address signs for your neighborhood. Talk about your egress and your ingress and, ha- um, and, and get everybody communicating so that when there is a problem in our county where not everybody has the best cell phone coverage, not everybody has the best uh, internet coverage, that they're talking to one another and Feeling that sense of involvement and responsibility to your community and to your neighborhood and that you're working together and you will help each other if there is an emergency. It could just be, um, it could be, it could be a house fire. It doesn't have to be a wildland fire, but it's that you've protected your neighborhood, that you've come together as a neighborhood. Um, you're, you're feeling the community of, and doing the work to help your area and address signs are part of us um, our chipper days are part of that and and then we also offer every other month um, there's a roundtable discussion now it's it's zoom but a, a trading of ideas a trading of of communication and um and what we're doing and what you're doing and pulling it together and getting that information out to everybody educating each other in every different pocket of this county so now we've we've 
touched on it. Um, do you know how many regional fire safe councils there are throughout the county that are that are supported one way or the other through the countywide fire safe council? At the moment, I believe the count is around forty five, um, and forty five sort of neighborhood councils, and those. Um, you know, there's a tremendous range of them. Some of them are incredibly small. Some of we have one that's one street, uh, and everybody on that street. Um, and some of them are or like huge. Yorkville. <laughs> yep. Um, some of them are huge and cover you know uh, tens of thousands, uh, you know, ten thousand residents in, in areas. And they are also incredibly varied in what they do. Um, you know, the, the, the unifying thread is that it's just you do something. And that something can be if the, if the most your group can do is have, you know, a barbecue once a year where we come and present uh, fire safe ideas and material and talk about, you know, how, to, how people can develop their plans. That's great. Uh, and then the other extreme of that is um, groups like Sherwood Keith Firewise. Re- yeah, Keith, Re- <laughs> which, Keith Rutledge and those guys up there. Yeah, which is, you know, uh, uh, there's several groups that are 501c3s on their own um, that are big enough to be landing their own very large grants um, and that are doing sort of super large-scale projects um, that are kind of models for what a neighborhood group can evolve to. But the the underlying threat is 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 that community involvement and to make this safer. Okay. Um, before we go to you've you've talked about some of the grants, and I know we want to talk about a couple of the others. Um, for example, you have new uh, a new coordinator countywide that um, is working for the Fire Safe Council. We do. Uh, it's a grant through the California State Fire Safe Council, um, and. Um, with, with CAL FIRE money, and we were fortunate to land what's called a county coordinator grant, uh, which is another full-time body. Just started two weeks ago. We were extremely fortunate to um, get Emily Tecchio to join us. Who um, She was, a lot of you will probably know her. She was the uh, one of the representatives for uh, Representative Jim Wood in the area. Um, she's now working with us full-time, specifically with the, the big target of um, you know, there's so many groups doing so many things. We have 22 fire districts, and we've got Cal Fire, and we've got neighborhood road associations, and we've got community service districts, and we've got you know county projects and city projects. You know, there's all these pieces out there working pieces of the puzzle. Um, and her job is to try to reach out and start to talk to everybody and find out how to pull those together and where we can leverage them better, uh, and where we can share resources. Um, and where we can plan on a larger scale as a community um, to try to get the most sort of integrated approach possible to this huge issue. So we're really excited to have have her on board. Okay. Um, is there any other grant news that you'd like to make sure the public knows about? Uh, our mini grants, mini grants, mini grants, please. Yeah, you want to talk about that, Nancy? Uh- no, you can talk about it. I, I, they're just a phenomenal thing. Um, if 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 for for you know for a, a fire agency, whether it's you know Anderson Valley or whether it's somebody up in Willits, um, or whether it's a neighborhood group, they're not huge. But if you have a of a, a small project, um, I think they're an awesome thing. Go for it, Scott. So yeah, we have um, we're trying out what we call our own Mendocino County Fire Safe Council mini grants. The application period is this month. It opened yesterday and uh, goes through the end of this month. Um, 
It's a fairly limited pool of applicants, so that makes your odds reasonably good if you're one of them. Um, it's available to fire districts in the county. Um, so if they have projects they need doing, um, this is a, a way to give them a little bit of a boost. And it's open to affiliated neighborhood fire safe councils. So if you don't have one and you have a project needing to go in your area, this is a great incentive to create yours because um, they're, they're super easy to get going. You know, And what we found is that in neighborhoods across Mendocino County, there are people with you know, people with passions to get different things done. Uh, there are some neighborhoods where the um, where the, the the interest is around creating more uh, more water sources for emergency fighting firefighting uh, because there's because there there are fire departments that have to travel 18 miles back to their station to refill and back and forth. So that's that can be a huge problem. There's other neighborhoods where there's a passion around putting wildfire detection cameras up. Uh, where there's a good strategic locations that can see a chunk of the neighborhood, but there's not a camera looking out for fire. Um, there's other neighborhoods that you know want to put in a neighborhood communication alert system uh, so they can get word out between themselves. So uh, we've, we've created these mini grants from two to $6,000 as a way to try to just incentivize uh, all those little passions out there to come to life, uh, to give them an opportunity to uh, get funded for the material part and then they add the passion and the local volunteer part uh, to make as many of those bigger projects that are out there wanting to happen to actually happen at Mendocino. So we're trying to trying to spread seeds and uh, and and really get get the volunteer power activated. So offline, Scott, you said that um, the Fire Safe Council is also looking at community mapping. What does that mean? Yeah, um, that's a project. You know, again, we we look around and try to find out find. Um, what great things are happening and how we can amplify them. Um, one of the grants we have is for a community wildfire protection for plan for Hopland. Uh, we're just finishing that. The final draft is out getting signatures now. Uh, when we talked with the Hopland fire chief, Chief Franklin, about what he wanted, uh, the top thing on his list was good community mapping. Uh, and it turns out that that came out from experience that he and um, the Anderson Valley fire chief, uh, Chief Andres, had. Uh, when they were called to fight fires in Southern California, uh, in some communities they came to, there was a little lockbox at the end of the road, uh, and it had a very specific kind of map that's specifically designed for first responders in it. Because uh, when you come to the end of the road, you know, you can Google and you can see where the roads are, but you need to know a lot more as a first responder. You need to know uh, where the houses are are, where the population centers are, if there are any particular resources that need defending down that road, uh, so you know where to direct your direct your engines. If there are places that it's safe to turn around at the end of the road, you need to know where there are water sources, yeah. if there are ponds you can pull from down that road. Uh, so Chief Andres in Anderson Valley launched the project of creating those maps for, for his, his area. Um, the Elk Fire District saw it and thought it was wonderful and got grant funding to do it themselves. Uh, when Hopland asked for it as well, we reached out to the Community Foundation and said, why don't we try to make a, make a path for everybody to be able to do this? So while we're doing this for Hopland, why don't we turn that into a bigger project where we document how to do it? Uh, and create resources that step-by-step -step lead you through how to do the process, what the resources are that you need. Uh, we arranged with the county to get some of the software layers 
uh, that the county has made available to us that we are allowed to make available to fire districts for free. Uh, so we assembled the data that people need. Um, and um, we now have all of that up on our um, on our website. It's under the um, community. Let me see where it is, actually. It is under uh, Prepare Your Neighborhood. Um, there is a uh, neighborhood, yeah, Creating Emergency Response Maps section there. Um, and if you click on that, um, there's kind of all the resources you need to get that going. And, you know, our next step, we just did some webinars that walked people through that. So you can watch the webinars online, too, uh, in case you missed them. Um, and I think the next step is I Gualala reached out and is interested in doing that. So we're going to help them kick that process off next. And uh, we'll bring it to any other community that's interested in working with it. So it sounds like the mapping you're looking to accomplish is community by community, but it could be as little as one one private lane, it sounds like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's what it goes down to. Our example, or my example, just so you're on radio, you can't see it, but um, Elkhorn Road starts at 128. Um, it is a county road um a dirt county road and it go yeah it goes all the way to me um although that's not exactly true it goes five and a half miles this county and uh colin wilson who uh was there before andres avila was our chief it was colin wilson he's the map guy and um he at first he mapped the homes at the top of the road which are what you would consider your typical mendocino county interface kind of situation and and then it goes all the way when we stop at the gate at the end of the county road there are um three ranches out here and and then an, a, a another ranch has an access through me and he mapped us all the way out and specifically when it comes to water sources um we have ponds and things out here which historically cal fire has used to capture water in in fire situations and that's all mapped and the box is at the top of the road where that population is where an out of area fire crew would be coming in and could help um but again this is all this is community involvement on that street by street level and um and it, it doesn't take a lot it takes getting to our website it takes getting to scott um and, and you, too, can do it. Your community can do it. You know, Nancy, that's an excellent point about out-of-area firefighters. I mean, oh, it, you know, huge. I mean, when it's we huge. have had these major fire events, I mean, I remember seeing in Fort Bragg at the hotels um, firefighters from Los Angeles County. I mean, Correct. there's no way they could have known where to go without good signage or in good, you know, direction. So that's that's an excellent point. You know, should we ever have another event of that magnitude, you're you're going to have firefighters from all over the state, all over the, the you know, I think we had people from Australia here fighting fires um recently. So um so that's community mapping and that's that's a great new project. Um Scott, you also told me that you're looking at um launching a um home evaluations by area and what does that mean? Yeah, that's the the next 
Um, next project, hopefully we'll get that off the ground um, in March. Um, the, you know, knowing what to do is is absolutely critical, and there's several layers to it. One, one we were just hinting at, which I, I hope we can come back to, is having your place defendable. There's a lot of information about the, about defensible space, so you know how to clear around your property, um, but having your property defendable and really easy to access by for emergency responders is equally critical. And what is becoming more and more known is that is that the home hardening, which is working to have your home sort of ready to resist embers coming in um, is as important as any of that uh, to figuring out whether your home is going to survive or, or not. So we're working on putting together um, a program for people to come out and do those kind of that com complete uh, assessment. Uh, you know, CAL FIRE comes out and does a great job of inspecting defensible space and defendable space, but they've got kind of a fixed list of things that they're legally required to do. Um, we're looking at going far beyond that and including, again, you know, the home hardening, a wider look at the property, uh, and we're looking at putting together a project where we um, we hopefully work with our neighborhood fire safe councils, but or a road shed or any group uh, that's willing to put together three or four homes that uh, would like to get an assessment done. Uh, and where we then come out and invite the public to come watch the assessment happen. So, uh, you know, what happens is we go and assess three or four homes in a in a in a fairly confined area. Uh, those homeowners get the benefit of the assessment, um, and um, then you know whoever else wants to show up gets the benefit of watching the assessment. So they get that knowledge to take back. Um, a twist on that is hopefully we are. The, the, the county that, I, as far as I know, is is the lead on that is Marin. Uh, Marin is tremendously well-funded in there. They passed a self-tax uh, to do wildfire mitigation work. Uh, so their chipper program is massive. Um, and this year they've, want, they've invested heavily in doing these assessments. Um, and so um, they've developed some software that I'm really hoping we're going to figure out a way to get. Uh, it's a little expensive, but um, it takes and gives you a picture of your property uh, and takes all of the findings of things that need to be improved on that property and spits out a prioritized list with an estimated cost of each of them. Um, and it sends you follow-ups uh, to check on how much you've accomplished so we can monitor what's happening out there to improve the situation. Uh, so we're, we're hoping to be able to find a way to leverage and get a hold of that so we can bring that benefit to, to Mendocino as well. That's wonderful, Scott. So I want to remind listeners, you're listening to Citizen U. I'm your host uh, on the first Wednesday of the month, Dan Jurdy. I'm a county supervisor. Your host on the third Wednesday of the month is Mari Rodna, Ukiah Council Member. And today's show is um, with um, two people with the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, Scott Craddy, the Executive Director, and Nancy Armstrong Frost, who's a, a president of the board. We are listening to KZOX Philo 90.7 FM. And I do have an announcement um, about the um, keyswex.org jukebox, which is where you hear archive shows. There are some technical difficulties um, at the moment. The tech team is working to resolve those issues and just wanted to give that announcement to listeners. Okay. Um, now, before we go on to um, what listeners can be doing right now, um, is there anything else you wanted to mention about uh, the grant programs? 
think looking through the list, we've done a pretty good job of covering the major things that are going on right now. Uh, you know, the other thing I guess that I would mention is that we do with neighborhood fire safe councils is help bring more grant programs to you. So we're in the midst of doing that as we speak. Uh, the next large round of, of funding fire. for fire prevention programs closes next Tuesday, actually, is when the applications are due. Um, and so, you know, one of the things we do for neighborhoods is um, help them when they can't, they don't have the wherewithal to do their own grant programs, our uh, applications. Uh, we try to find programs that, that neighborhoods have defined and done the legwork of mapping where it needs to happen uh, and explaining why it's an important project. And then we pick those up and try to carry the ball and bring funding to them. Um, so we're in the midst of working with several neighborhood councils um, to put their projects together in our grant application. Uh, we are also working with the county uh, a little bit on their grant application. The county's putting in their own, and uh, we are providing some assistance and suggestions of other places that they can include in their projects. Um, and we are also have the ability to, um, you know, there's at least one neighborhood fire safe council that's got its own project that's so big that they're going to do their own application. Uh, but you have to be a 501c3 or a government entity or a tribal entity to apply. Uh, but we can provide the fiscal sponsorship uh, to enable them to do their own application. So for projects that are board vets uh, and determines really fit our criteria, uh, we have the ability to help uh, help neighborhoods launch their own grant programs in that way as well. I should mention, because you, you touched on it, um, the county in recent years, obviously following the 2017 fires, um, created a um, disaster re recovery um, team. It's a small team of people within the um, executive office working with the Board of Supervisors. And, and part of what they do is they um, interface with um, FEMA, with um, California Exec uh, Office of Emergency Services, and help um, secure grants for rebuilding often after a disaster. And um, but you know they're also trying to get ahead of the curve and 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 plan for future events um so um maybe this would be a good time to go into what listeners could be doing right now um here we are at the beginning of february um planning for what could be another drought year and and um you know high fire season uh, risk year okay well can i start on that one a little bit from a big bigger perspective um so um at the state level the board of forestry has been re-going through all the fire regulations um so that's big perspective and one of the things that they're focusing on that is ingress and egress through your properties and in, and they'll say it again mendocino county is filled with one way in one way out roads and my place is no different um but, and so you know we're working on our road structure um at a local level you know that that might be a bigger thing for you to do but um uh but it's something that needs to be done is you need to look at your roads in and out for emergency responders and that could be as simple as chipping and clearing on your roadsides more which is what um uh, uh, in my case i use an excavator um to clear um we're we're it really clearing further to make our roads easier for Cal Fire to come in, and um, so that's once that's one thing at a, at a community level you could be doing chipping. At another level, what we're doing is we're increasing our tanked water um, by putting in more tanks 
uh, and we're putting in a secondary standpipe for Cal Fire to access on our main road through. Um, so that so that's on a on a on a landowner level, on a community level, uh, you could be looking at pulling your resources together to find that spot or get one of our mini grants to to help fund an extra water source for Cal Fire in your neighborhood on your road shed. Um, there could also be be uh, a, a, you know a, a chipper getting a hold of a chipper program. Uh, to help clear right now because right now is the time there is no doubt about it we're going into another low water year and it's going to be hard on everybody this fire season yeah um those are all great places to start and you know you kind of want to start methodically and go through so um you know step one um is to um have your plan so step one is just to and both our website and the cal fire website have great resources ready set go um you want to sort of make sure you've done the basic planning with your family and you know what your escape routes are in as many def directions as possible you know what you need to have ready to go uh you have your out of area contact designated that everyone knows to get in touch with in case people get separated so there's that level of planning um and then what you as, as nancy was was getting to you really want to start working on your property now now is when things are starting to grow you know step one is to uh, look at how defendable your property is and i think this is kind of a um undercovered in the literature but when there's a big fire event there is not one fire truck for each house there are few fire trucks to go around so you're not going to have a personal one at your house but those firefighters when they come in are going to be making decisions based on who did the most work to make it easy for them to defend your house uh, they're going to be looking for houses that have safe clearing space around them they're going to be looking for roads that have good signage and good turnarounds uh, and clear space so they know they can get themselves safely in and out um, and you know if your road is a big windy twisty road you know even if you have a turnaround down at the end of that if you don't have that marked at the start of your road uh saying fire engine accessible turnaround um you know they're not going to know that um so they may drive by to the next house up the hill that looks like it's free and clear um so you know part one is to sort of look at your property from the perspective of a firefighter and think have i made this as friendly as possible is this a place where somebody's going to feel safe coming to defend my property or you know is it obscure is it a tangled mess is there no place to turn around um you know and you start dealing with things at that level um the next level is starting to work on your defensible space to make sure you have your home um you know cleared properly around and there's a ton of information out there about that um probably the the latest and greatest science that will probably be law before too long is that that first five feet around your house there's a lot of talk about clearing the first hundred feet but the first five feet is absolutely critical and essential and and the standards are evolving to that the first five feet around your home and the first six inches um uh, vertically up the side of your home should be as non-flammable as possible you should do everything possible just to not have anything flammable in that first area and, and that's because um you know when, when people think about wildfires they think about 
you picture the big uh, front of flame sweeping through and taking things with it. Uh, but that is not how most houses actually burn down. Um, most houses are actually burned down from embers that are drifting from the air from a fire as far as a mile away. Um, one of the uh, great graphics I saw of that um, and, and the fire in, in, in Kalpala was somebody, uh, somebody had one of those giant lawn umbrellas uh, that was open when that fire happened. Um, and you could, you, it was half porous. Uh, you could see so many embers had flown through that area uh, that half of it was burned away in little patches. Um, and your home needs to be ready to withstand that. Uh, uh, probably the, the best way I heard it put was in, in a walkthrough we did with Yana Valakovic from the, mm -hmm. from the UC. Um, and she said, you know, step out your front door and pretend that you have a box of stick matches in your hand. Um, and... Um, just imagine yourself lighting them and throwing them all around your house in the first five feet around your house, because that's what it's going to be like in a wildfire. There's going to be those embers coming down and hitting the side of your house and banking all around those first five feet. Um, and if you can walk around your house and think you're, you, you could flick a box of matches around there and not worry because there's nothing for them to catch, then you've done your job. Uh, if you do that imaginary exercise um, and you think, oh, my, you know, that pile of newspaper there would have caught, um, then you've got things to work on. Um, so, you know, step one is to get those first five feet as cleared as possible. Um, if you do have any plants in there, you want to have them low, you want to have them healthy, uh, you want to make sure they're green and as hydrated as possible and not likely to, not likely to catch. Um, so there's all that work clearing your property. And then the next step um, is to look at your home hardening. And I want to just sort of heartily recommend that everyone um, start at our website, because that is a great resource. Uh, under Safeguard Your Home, which is the first tab there, the first thing up is our home hardening video series. Um, and Nancy alluded to that earlier. It, um, so one of the ways we tried to add value when I took the job originally and went to educate myself about home hardening, what I discovered is that there were a lot of hour and a half videos out there um, that were extremely dry and hard to get through. Um, so we wanted to, to have a resource that was you know, exactly designed for the busy people in reality that don't have an hour and a half for a video uh, that have an hour to do something this weekend. Um, so we took home hardening and we, uh, we worked with the UC extension and we broke it down by priority. So our videos start from the highest priority, uh, and work their way down. So they start with the roofs and gutters, uh, which are your most vulnerable thing. And then they move on to the vents in your house and then defensible space and then decks and fences and windows, then eaves, then siding. Uh, so it breaks it down in order of priority. Uh, and it also has a long and a short version of each video. So if you just have five minutes and you want to know what to do today, you watch the short version of the video, you get something to do and you go do it. Um, and if you're the kind of person who wants to understand more about why you're doing something, there's a long version of the video uh, that'll take 15 or 20 minutes to step you through uh, a little bit more of the science and, and the reasoning behind those priorities. Not 
um, let me just butt in here. Not everybody can go back and um, put, you know, cement board, Heidi, Hardy Plank siding on your houses. That's just, it, it's, you know, it would be awesome if everybody in your neighborhood could do that. Um, but they can't. Not everybody can go out and put a brand new metal roof on their house or a class A shingle roof on their house. Not everybody can do it. Um, but there are a lot of small home hardening things you can do in a weekend um, or just in an afternoon to clear your space around your home um, and, and make it a make it legally better and make it safer for you and your neighbors around you and your community around you. And if you can't do it yourself, you know, we can help you. Your neighbors can help you. You can set up that, that community effort on your street, in your road shed um, to, to band together to help each other's home. It's just, it's just what we got to do. Well, that, that's an excellent point, Nancy, because not everybody can afford to make those uh, physical upgrades no. to their property. We do have a call and um, let's let's take the call. Hi caller, you're on the air. Okay. Hi caller, you're on the air. Caller? Okay. Well, um uh, so what are what are some other things that people can volunteer to do um, uh, beyond beyond the things you've listed so far? Uh, there's a big one. <laughs> uh, every single volunteer fire station, if you really if you want to go high level, every single volunteer fire station in this county needs help. Okay. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Nancy. The um, you know the the a lot of our our fire protection is volunteer uh it is a lot of it is um struggling for funding um and more importantly struggling for people so people. reach reaching out um and seeing what you can do at that level is is okay. important okay we have a caller on the air good morning thanks for taking my call yeah do you have a question or a comment i do i have a comment i would like to just add uh scott thank you so much for uh your volunteer uh, time and, and what's going on around our county. I'd just like to add that fuel loads as a firefighter also include abandoned vehicles and old trailers, which pose a whole different issue when you're trying to um, get in front of a wildland fire. So I just wanted to add that part. I also wanted to um, add uh, when the fire department comes to your home, it's a good idea also to create some kind of a fuel dump so we know where all of the gasoline, propane, and even if there's a vehicle that you cannot get from uh, your home because of the people who are there and maybe you have an extra vehicle, all in one area and um, marked so um, that you know we can do our job without having to worry about something exploding or um or creating uh, more of a hazard for us. Thank you. Okay, thank you for the comments, and thank you for volunteering with the fire department. Um, on the point of abandoned vehicles, um, the state of California uh, launched a pilot project for three years called Clean California, and one of the issues um, that when they've met with local government here in Mendocino County we, that we've brought up is the fact that we do seem to have a lot of 
you know, old abandoned RVs and, and vehicles, um, both uh, left along the highways or, or just on properties. And so they they are going to be using, um, supplementing the funds that Highway Patrol has to remove those vehicles from the highways um, mm. to make sure that we can get more of those removed. And also the, there will be um, a, a couple of days announced throughout the county where there'll be um, bulky waste uh, drop off at the transfer stations or, or at designated locations um, coming up. We have another call. Let's take the caller. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if there's resources to provide for uh, uh, water tanks. Uh, I know in the 08 fires we had issues with that, um, and that way we could refill. You guys had mentioned about being way far out to refill a tanker, and uh, eventually they brought up uh, you know water tenders, but by that point it was a little late. So are there resources that would provide for a community? We have about 35 property owners. and so. Okay, good point. Nancy, is there resources for that? Well, um, that's one of the things that our mini-grant program through fire agencies and neighborhood fire-safe councils um, are, are, you know, could potentially help with um, our two to $6,000 mini-grants. The the first question would be, is your neighborhood, your 35 homeowners organized yet into a neighborhood fire-safe council? And if you know, that's a pretty simple process to do out on our website um, and, and go from there. Um, uh, so there, there, is, there is potentially help there for that project. Scott? Yeah, I mean, there's, just, there's lake work to get to it. There's, there's, there's never a pot of money just laying around waiting no. for somebody to ask for it. You need, it's you know, potential. There, there's, there's the process. So you need to form an organization first. You need to define the project. Uh, ideally, you would get your local fire department out to help you uh, decide, you know, where to site it that's best uh, and then sort of come together with, you know, we've talked with our fire department. Uh, they think an X gallon tank here and an X gallon tank there are what they need to do a better job defending this community. Uh, we They write that up and we put it in our queue of things to try to find funding for as, as opportunities arise. Um, so there's legwork to get there, you know, and another big part of our process um, coming up, this is one of the things that Emily's going to be helping us with over the next year, is coming up with the right scheme for prioritizing that stuff because there are so many things that need to happen. And um, it is not at all obvious whether, you know, clearing a road near Laytonville is more or less important than a water tank in a community in Yorkville or, uh, you know, a fire break somewhere else. So we're going to work on how we how we assess and prioritize those. Okay, thank you. Oh, we have another call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for this program. Um, I wanted to go back to ingress and egress. And um, what I've witnessed is that um, different fire safe councils and also fire departments uh, interacting with existing property owners to negotiate. Um, ways in and out of uh, one um, to add an, 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 another uh, exit or entry into um, uh, single road areas, um, and then that the, that property ownership. So something gets uh, the negotiations begin, or something gets set up, and then the ownership changes, and that whole thing falls apart. 
And a question that I had about um, uh, making uh, or possibly better negotiations if fire easements were added as an option um, to um, property owners who have the land that could act as ingress or egress um, if there were an easement or some sort of financial gain to them to allow neighborhoods to use those um, entrances and exits. And I'll take my um, answer off the air, please. Uh, Scott, maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about the um, what's happening up 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 in um, Sherwood Road um, near Willits and Brook Trails area, and, and that was a it's a pretty major project. It involves, I believe, more than one property owner, and they're reestablishing a, a logging road as a fire exit or entrance for the fire department or an exit for the community. Um, but it it does involve property owner agreements. Um, you know, I believe it's it's got. Um, locked gates that are so to only be open in the event of an emergency of some kind um could you talk a little bit about that about that project um sure i mean that that that's actually a huge win for the sherwood fire safe council um that was one of the things they recognized that's a, a dense community uh heavily wooded that had one way in one way out uh there were some old egress roads uh, for firefighters, but they had been sort of overgrown. There was no maintenance for them. So uh, they took on the process of getting grant funding to um, clear out one of those. uh, And they took on the process of getting landowner agreements established. And now the next step, which the county is working on, uh, is trying to figure out how to fund that. There's a, a, uh, there's, you know, we're moving toward, they're moving towards a trial process of um, having the folks in that area vote on whether they want to um, have a, they're willing to accept a new tax to sort of maintain those roads going forward. The secondary access road issue really quickly is just, is huge has layers and layers of complication uh is incredibly intractable it um and it is one though that uh, the county is is trying to help work on uh I, my understanding is that the county's application that's going in next week um is asking for in part funding for um you know the same kind of thing we we try to do with other projects is a a model looking at develop doing a a, a project for a secondary access road uh, for the eastern hills of Ukiah that also is um, also does a, a, a demo project that looks at developing what's the best kind of landowner agreement, which is what the caller raised, uh, to keep these things locked in that works both for the landowner uh, and for the people that need that egress. Um, and so, you know, it's working at trying to get some funding to sort of step through that process and um, come up with a model way to do it that then other communities can pick up on that'll that'll help them uh, as, as they try to navigate through those issues. Okay, we, we have time for one more call. Caller, you're on the air. Thank you. Thanks for the great program. Um, I didn't hear the whole program, so I don't know if this was talked about, but I want to make sure everybody is looking out for their animals. If you have livestock, then you need to be pre-planning how to get your horses or other large animals, how to train them how to get in and out of a trailer and have that such a trailer. Uh, regarding dogs, cats, I know many people have a lot of dogs and cats. You need to have a way to save those animals. If you do, cannot get them into your vehicle, then you need to just let them go and run. But don't keep anybody, anybody chained up or locked up in a pen. 
in the event of a wildfire, uh, either get them out or and have uh, food available in your car. I always keep my trunk packed. My trunk is year-round packed with a tent, with a sleeping bag, with a... I have a grab-and-go bag with cash, everything from $1 bills up to um, fives, tens, twenties. You want to have to pay for something with a $20 bill because there are no ATMs around when it only costs 2 bucks. So just a couple of tips. Okay, excellent, excellent point, caller. Um, um, we have just a minute left of the show, and um, so with that in mind, um, Scott and Nancy, any final thoughts on how do people get a hold of the Fire Safe Council? Yeah, quick plug. We've mentioned our website a couple times, but never given it. It is firesafemendocino.org, um, and there's a wealth of stuff on there. The caller just mentioned pets and livestock. We did a whole radio program on that. That's a really good one, February 23rd, 2021. So you can catch that on the KZYX jukebox or on our website. Um, you, uh, we have our contact info there. So um, you can reach out to us at any time. Uh, we also just give a quick plug, our planning COVID permitting a wildfire expo that's going to happen um, at Anderson Valley Brewing coming up on May 21st. Um, so that'll be an opportunity to see a lot of vendors that have products that are relevant uh, and to get a whole lot more information and uh, in-depth coverage on this stuff. Okay, thank you. Um, you have been listening to Citizen U, a radio program um, with uh, your host today is myself, Dan Jurdy, uh, County Supervisor. And on the third Wednesday of the month, it is um, uh, Mari Roden, a Ukiah Council member. And the guests today have been Scott Craddy, Director of the F- Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, and, and Nancy Armstrong Frost, um, who's the President of the Board of the Fire Safe Council for the county. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.